books. This is a book that came out in uh, the year 2000. The third book in the series is the longest book in the series in my books. In the novels, write the book in the first book. Books in the uh, books. Books. The fifth book is about to come out. Two books. And in the books. He does that in the books, too. Hello, welcome to A Song of Babies and Puppies. Once again, we have read chapters. And uh, my name's Emmanuel, and I'm joined by three people. Introduce yourselves. Uh, hi, this is Janos, one of your co-hosts on this podcast. Uh, hello, this is Rainer. Uh, I'm Chaz, and I'm also here. We're, it's up in the air <laughs> whether she's a returning guest or a new co-host, but I don't, who cares? Uh, future future will show. We'll a new co-host. Yeah. On this one, it's like we're we're collecting them like uh, like Pokemon's. <laughs> you know, we are, we are kind of like a chess collective. We just members members come and go just as they please. You know, no rules, just right. Exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say that like we're gonna be the first podcast that uh, its entire listenership is has been on the show, but I feel like that has happened probably a billion <laughs> times before. So. Yeah, I think that's most podcasts. Yeah, but I think we have we have more listeners than than hosts currently. So, wow, I'm I'm feeling positive about that. Piga, you have shocked the nation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of news do we have this week? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Um, there's no news, as usual. Uh, George hasn't done anything new. But this is not gonna stop uh, theexpress.co.uk, and it's especially not gonna stop Mr. George Simpson, uh, who published an article a few days ago called "Winds of Winter Theory: Game of Thrones Expert Predicts Marjorie and Cersei's Fates." Now, uh, I'm very curious to see what makes someone a Game of Thrones expert, like. Spoiler, they're posting it on Reddit. That's what... (laughs) (laughs) Do we count as Game of Thrones experts? I think so. Yeah. I've seen every episode of the show despite hating it. How how long uh, will it take until we are featured as a source on one of his articles? I guess we should... (laughs) We we would have to to get a a subreddit, right? And then post, like, why Littlefinger is is gonna kill the Night King. And it's gonna be (laughs) awesome. God, I'm just, I just don't want to get close to that subreddit, honestly. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Uh, this is, I'm gonna mention again, this is probably gonna reveal, like, some stuff that happens in the later books, um, and of course, probably also the show. Uh, this article says, almost a decade ago, George R. R. Martin left a big cliffhanger at the end of A Dance with Dragons. The two queens, Cersei Lannister and Marjorie Tyrell, will put will be put on trial for their crimes. Both have chosen two different types of though. This is not a sentence. Both have chosen two different types of though. While Marjorie chose trial by fate and there's a typo in Marjorie, Cersei opted for trial by battle. They they spelled Marjorie like they would spell Margarine. And now... This seems like good journalism, in my opinion. <laughs> oh no, I just got to the part where, like, I, I've, I've just seen who the expert is. <laughs> do, you, do, you want to, do you want to do a guess? <laughs> yeah, who is it? And now, a Song of Ice and Fire and Game of Thrones expert, Brynden Beefish, ah! 
it's our biggest driver. Like, <laughs> if, if this podcast has one goal, is to take uh, Brendan Beefish down. <laughs> uh, he has theorized that both Cersei and Marjorie will be found to be innocent in their trials, based on the sample chapters of The Winds of Winter. He also references how the epilogue of A Dance with Dragons teases not only that this will be the case, but also that they will become larger antagonists to each other in The Winds of Winter. Uh, the section reads, Lannister spearmen in crimson cloaks and lion-crested half-hams stood along the west wall of the throne room. Tyrell guards in red cloaks faced from the opposite wall. And then there's a few images out of the show, which, you know, Marjorie in the show is essentially a different character than she is in the books. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Cersei. So, yeah. Mar- Marjorie is, in, in the books, she's just like a girl. And in the shows, she's a grown woman sexually abusing Tommen, who is also <laughs> somehow... Yeah. Old. He grew I seven in, years in the time that baby Sam grew a month, and Arya also grew seven years. But yeah. So there's more on this, like uh, Brynn and Beefish thing. It's basically nothing. It's just I don't know. It's not even like for a even for a BBF theory. It's. Uh, Are they just copy pasting like Brendan Blackfish stuff off Reddit into an article? I mean, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> it if seems like they have to up... crank out like several articles a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just on like Song of Ice and Fire theories. Uh, guess guess what else is gonna be mentioned in this article? Meanwhile, in a recent interview, Martin confirmed that Game of Thrones was <laughs> an end, not the end of a Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, that will come as quite a quite a shock. And then there's the quotes of, out of the Velt article again. Uh, George Simpson also says so presumably the author means that Bran Stark will still become king under an elected monarchy I don't know why this one thing like the who will be king thing is what uh, is considered the ending like up to the up to the point where dance ends who will be king is like not the big question but it's who who won the game you know yeah that's what, that's what these books are about, right? It's That's why it's called the Game of Thrones books and not A Song of Ice and Fire or something. It's about winning the throne. Other stuff's unimportant, not interesting. And apparently Beefish has also teased that the book will come out this year. Okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Thanks, thanks, Mr. Brindan. <laughs> and Mr. Fish. <laughs> what uh, I also yeah, like there's been like this... four other articles in the what past I... 12 hours. Like, the, the other one that I uh, mentioned in the pre-talk is titled Game of Thrones Shock, Sansa marries this Targaryen. It's in George R. R. Martin's books here. And then it's just gonna... I'm not gonna say which one, but it's just an other, another incest theory uh, oh. that is a lot less interesting than the headline makes it be. Mm. So, thanks. You know what I like Express. most about this whole article? The... Two related articles that are about Elvis Presley being an angel and performing miracles in Las Vegas. <laughs> do you all, do you all it's a good those? newspaper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those are more possible for some reason. <laughs> all right, let's move on. What did George do? Yeah, to- jo- George has also done some tweets. I'm just going to bring this up real quick. He posted a Valentine's Day photo of himself and his wife. Uh... Paris is from from like a while ago, and he's wearing a very fanciful red hat. Uh, there's apparently also a section dedicated to his wife on his blog. 
which is very cute. Ah, wife guy. George is George is such a wife guy. <laughs> uh, he you, he like details said... the entire story of their relationship, <laughs> and he does a lot of uh, dad jokes along the way. It's uh, it's beautiful. Uh, and of course, the comments of this uh, of this tweet are like, "How dare you love your wife?" Is <laughs> <with> the book. <laughs> I, uh, I and have then checked he also... out the uh, I checked out the whole yes. uh, like live uh, portion of his website, and I love that there is like half of the sub pages uh, when you when you click on, on them, it just says under construction, and it clearly said it for like <laughs> ten years. <laughs> it's a it's a great like nineties flashback web page. The whole website it, is like uh, I opened yeah. it on my phone. And it, you couldn't navigate it on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> Not designed for mobile. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pre it's pre Wi Fi times, I guess. This insta article I, I had open is so depressing. Which one? Uh, All right, so we've we've depressed ourselves enough, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we can get into the good stuff. Let's get to the books. Get get to the good stuff. Yeah. So. What we have four chapters today, so this should be faster than the last one. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. not making any promises, but uh, maybe. Were they like less, or were the chapters more pages? Or I don't even know why we. No, only have... they were the same number of pages. Oh, schedule. I think. Yeah. Okay. All right. So first, we we got a John chapter, uh, and it's really nice. Uh, John is uh, practicing in the yard, whenever. Uh, a big moon-faced boy shows up, and uh, the Alistair has him beat up, uh, and it sucks. But then John protects him, and then they try to... Uh, his name's Sam, and then they become friends, and it's good. Uh, yeah. Yay, Sam. We love yeah. Sam. I love Sam. Oh. <laughs> God. Yeah, nothing depressing in this chapter, really, right? Oh god, yeah! It uh, it tells the whole uh, Randall Tarly story. Uh, before we get Randall to that, Randall Tarly, gonna... my enemy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone's enemy. Yeah, I was gonna bring up like one thing before Sam even appears because my first note on this is John teaching like Harry Potter, but good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because this reminded me a lot of, like, in the, in, I think, Order of the Phoenix, where he has to, like, where they fought Dumbledore's army, and uh, fucking Harry Potter is the one who teaches them, like, defense against the dark arts, like, practical magical defense. Except it makes no sense in Harry Potter, because why would he <laughs> be good at this? My, like, only... Uh, he's a prodigy, right? That's basically... Yeah, it just doesn't... Uh, it's just not in the text. It's just everyone says it, but you can't. You don't see how he would be good at it. And in this one, it, it totally makes sense because he had like a like an actual good teacher uh, in that, and most of them like they uh, like Donald Noy said this uh, a few chapters ago that uh, most of them didn't have like a teacher before Elisa, mm, or even held a sword. So yeah. yeah. It's nice. I oh god, like my only touchstone for Harry Potter is uh, Shrieking Shack cast, whatever the fuck you. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, and that's why I think of Harry, think about Harry Potter all the time now. Like I, <laughs> I wasn't before I started listening. 
Yeah. In a way, it's good. In a way, it's a curse. Yeah. Just. It's uh, Shrieking Shack is also like the definitive podcast for people who are terminally online. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he's teaching his boys, um, and then he there's like this is like. There's like uh what's the movie the like Kubrick movie about uh Vietnam um full metal jacket uh, yeah. yeah there's like a full metal jacket thing where like only it's good because so Sam comes in and and uh after the all the story is told and John decides that he's protecting this boy and that he he's he must save this boy's life um they like he convinces all his friends all the people like in his training group, I guess, to, like, you're not hitting him, etc. Uh, but Rast, who's a dickbag, uh, Rast fucking sucks, dude. Yeah. Mr. Rapist. He's like, was he the rapist? Yeah. Yeah. He's a rapist, yeah. Um, he's like, nah, fuck you guys. I wanna, I wanna be cruel. Um, so they go to his bed at night. And hold him down and have ghosts jump up onto his fucking face and bite at his neck. Uh, <laughs> and say we it's know where he sleeps. It's very fight sleep. club. Yeah. <laughs> Do not fuck with us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, it's like in Riverdale when Archie and the boys make a terrorist group. Oh, it's exactly like that. I haven't watched that. <laughs> It's a good show. There's a in the second season. There's like a serial murder, and uh, Archie feels like Archie was a teenager and goes to high school, uh, but he's also very strong. And he and like the other uh, strong boys at school form a vigilante group against this uh, serial killer who they don't they don't know who he is. Very muscular, shirtless boys wearing ski masks. It's it's good. It's a great show. Yeah, they make a, they do a video uh, where they threaten the the killer, and all of them are wearing uh, ski masks except Archie. <laughs> My gay senses are tingling. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of gay, Alice is homophobic in this one. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, isn't he just always? What does he say? He's like every every bit of phobic. No, because when uh, when John defends uh, Sam, he says, "Ah, our bastard is in love. Oh, yeah. Let him defend his lady." <laughs> Actually, so that's just sucks. that's just foreshadowing for when John and Sam are in love in <laughs> Winter of Winter. He's shipping them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Sorry, he's supportive. <laughs> <laughs> he's writing fanfic in his room at in the evening. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah alistair is repressed um so yeah he sends he makes uh he was gonna make john like fight three dudes uh to protect sam uh but then pip and gren uh come in and say you know it'll make an even fight if we fight on john's side so they help protect him too and it's very good it's such a good bro moment yeah all I could, all I could think of the last few days is someone. I don't. Sorry, I don't remember who it was in our chat said that uh, Pip and Gran are basically uh, Skinny Pete and Badger from Breaking Bad. 
That's so accurate. That's a a mental image I could not shake off for the last few days. It's just too perfect. This is also like uh, when Alyssa says, uh, oh, if uh, those two team up with, or if if John wants to protect him, then you two make a fight with him and then other people are joining in with John. That also like reminded me of just wrestling storytelling. Like they do that (laughs) a lot in WWE where uh, they spontaneously it's totally unplanned it's it's not very obvious that it was planned by the promotion like that uh a few people just just team up and then they make it an official fight like the way elisa says uh, let's make it official reminded me a lot of like uh like these very natural wrestling moments mm-hmm. it is a good fight as well because it does really go into john's uh swordmanship because he really knows who he's fighting and he knows how best to get back at them and stuff you mean uh john's great swordsmanship of uh standing there with a sword where a (laughs) dozen horses are coming towards him (laughs) (laughs) he he doesn't do that that's why why he gets wounded even i feel like i would have watched wrestling if i like hadn't watched naruto like i feel like that scratches the same itch (laughs) (laughs) i'm thinking if i about if i know any naruto fans who are wrestling fans i'm sure there's lots but i'm just saying are there no wrestling animes there's a there's a wrestling move called the sasuke special oh shit but it's probably not it's probably named after a different sasuke well i uh, I think sasuke just means victory or something oh yeah okay yeah uh not to get too weeb (laughs) <laughs> Do we want to get to uh, Mr. Randall Tarly? Oh my god. Oh yeah, I hate that guy. <sighs> oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get to him, but alright. Yeah. 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 And he's kind of, it's kind of like the the big moment of this chapter, I guess, where Sam tells his backstory. Oh, I wanted to like, so just to like get us into the scene, um, John goes in for dinner, Sam's eating alone, uh, John joins him, and then he, they're like, talking a little bit he's basically like uh trying to get him to open up a little bit but they go outside or john gets him to go outside and they just sit down and like uh they're talking about the wall and he's like oh i don't want to go up there i'm scared and he's like are you scared of everything and then uh there is this line where he's john says he like he let the silence breathe which um there's a part in Ned's chapter coming up where he's in like trying to get info from Tobomat where he says like um sometimes silence will like is like better to get a person to talk than trying to like say anything it's mm-hmm. kind of like a similar mm-hmm. it's a nice little thing that seems like John picked that up or at least um yeah. but he's using it in like a different way of, obviously but it's just nice like they just kind of sit together and and he lets Sam like get comfortable with his presence before, and then Sam opens up on his own. It's really nice, and then he tells him a very yeah, normal and story. Doesn't uh, like ghost lick Sam or something? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! Like a very cute puppy moment. Yeah, Sam is starting to cry, and John doesn't know what to do, but Ghost goes up and licks him. And then he is Ghost off. the best puppy? Ghost is kind of the best puppy, I think. <laughs> I'm biased though I because like I don't like uh, noisy pets. So, 
just as good for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's very fair. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I guess, I don't know. I feel like Lady was also really good. I think all good. God, pour one out for Lady. <laughs> Moment of silence uh, for so Lady. John, John asks... <laughs> The problem is, I'm gonna automatically remove all the silence. So, um, <laughs> imagine we had you're one. not allowed to have a silence. <laughs> not in a podcast. Damn it! No. All right. The comedic timing. What if I just like hum? Like, mm-hmm. okay, we're good. <laughs> or let's all so howl. John. John asks Sam, "Why would a coward join the Night's Watch?" Or like, either asks him or asks himself. Mm-hmm. But I noted that line. Uh, as like a setup to the Randall story, and uh, it was interesting to me because apparently John still doesn't quite understand what the Night's Watch is. And then uh, Sam, of course, uh, opens up, and uh, you know, it's really bad. Uh, yeah, basically, what if, what if yeah. you have a son and you think mm-hmm. he's a bit wimpy? So what you do is you torture him for his entire childhood, uh, and then you come up with like new, innovative ways to humiliate him. And for some reason, he doesn't get braver. Huh? Yeah, weird. Huh. Weird. Wait, are you saying that if you just like beat someone up and like pr- and chain them up and make them bathe in bull's blood, I want <laughs> I like sleep in chainmail. It <laughs> will make them better. Mm, maybe, maybe not. And it fucking sucks, cause uh, you know he also like chains up Sam when he says he wants to be a maester, which totally would have solved Randall's problem. Like the <laughs> if he wants his his younger Chad son to be uh, his inheritance, Sam becoming a maester is like as good a solution for it as Sam going to the Night's Watch. Except mm. maesters are wimpy and not muscly. Maesters read books and they don't use swords, so... <laughs> yeah. Maesters can, like, heal you when you're dying, but uh, but they're not epic, so... Maesters yeah. are all cucks who serve other people. There's no honor exactly. in that. You can't... Uh, Rand- you gotta... Randall Tali will not be cucked. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Also, shout out to uh, David Benioff and Dan Weiss, who um, read this chapter and then completely forgot about it, uh, if they even read it, because uh, I think they also think the same way as Randall Tarly does. Maybe not about the torture part, but they also think uh, uh, Sam can't be the older son, because he's lame <laughs> and wimpy, so let's make Dickon the older brother, which totally defeats the purpose of why Randall acts this way. They also made Sam into, a, like, an incel. Like, a fucking, like, <laughs> men's rights activist fucker. He's so annoying in the show, but anyway, we don't gotta talk about that. Um, we also get a very good John dream, uh, where he's, uh, he's wandering through Winterfell, but the castle is empty, and then he's, like, drawn to the crypts, and, uh, mm. He will kind of, uh, this is like minor spoilers, but the, he basically has this dream all through the books. It's going to mention once or twice, but it progresses each, like, 
he gets farther into the crypts um, as the books go on. Um, but then, uh, yeah, uh, so it's very good. The drone dream is... John Dream is so fucking creepy, I think. Like, the yeah. the other dreams, like, the brand dreams, they're, like, ooh, interesting mythical stuff. There's, of course, scary parts in it. But, like, the John Dream is the is the most, uh, the most, like, dreams I would actually have. Yeah. Mm. Which is what makes it, makes, makes it very, like, the description of the dream very creepy to me. It's more emotional rather than just imagery, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else about this chapter, um, or do we move on to? Um, I'd like to mention the one. line. Well, I was going to say I'd like to mention the line where he says it's sort of braver for Sam to admit that he's a coward rather than denying that he's a coward. I think yes. that's good. Yeah, I was that's I was so going to mention that too. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's kind of a kind of a callback to what Tyrion said to to John with like. Uh, I'm a dwarf, you're a bastard, like, be aware of that and what it means in, in the way you're perceived by by others and kind of make it to your strength. And I guess that's, in a way, also what, what Sam at least does in the future, I guess, like, to be aware of his quote-unquote weakness and uh, uh, that he's what what people would consider a coward in, in, yeah. uh, in some cases and that he's, uh, that he's aware of it and deals with it uh, better because he's facing it. Yeah, there, and there's, um, so, yeah, John's, like, able to integrate Tyrion's, like, I mean, there's some, like, wise stuff to get from it. He, I mean, later in the story, he's he's not so good at applying it to himself, but um, <laughs> whenever, but that, yeah, like, the hard truth thing, he says, like, I don't know if he just said this because I kind of zoned out, but he says that, like, uh, there's. It takes like a certain type of bravery to admit that you're oh. a coward. Did you just say that? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of Tyrion, because you mentioned him, the related product on the uh, Wiki of Ice and Fire page for this chapter, in which Tyrion does not appear, is uh, a Tyrion Lannister Game of Thrones action figure for the <laughs> bargain price of one hundred and twenty-two dollars. Ugh. Mm. Uh, and it's from the later seasons where he has a beard. Uh, and the other related product is a book called Taking the Pip Forward. Pip spelled as PYP. And PYP stands for uh, Primary Years Program. This is obviously nothing to do with A Song of Ice and Fire. But there's a character in this chapter called Pip with a Y. So good job on that Google yeah. algorithm. Once again, glad that I have adblock. Um. <laughs> uh, let's move on to... Ned Stark, uh, super detective. Ned Stark. Well, first, first we learn that uh, the the small folk of of King's Landing is like parting hard uh-huh. uh, because of the <laughs> parting too hard in in some cases, like rioting and fighting and you are cutting uh, out for me. Drunken yeah. horse races and stuff like that. And that uh, that kind of reminded me of. Uh, did you ever read or or? Uh, read up on like crime statistics uh, after like uh, carnivals or Oktoberfest or stuff like that. That, mm. that reads very similar. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. yeah That's... Like football okay. matches and rugby matches and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think the, the, the last Oktoberfest was something like, yeah, there were like 230 counts of assault on uh, 25 attempted rapes and 
It was the most the most peaceful one for 25 years. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, this is a small tangent, but uh, I live near uh, near two German cities, Fürth and Nuremberg, both of which have uh, football teams that are in the same league, and they're like death rivals. And I sometimes need to go to one of these places with the train. Uh, and I don't follow football, so there's just going to be days where the train is full of uh, people that are that either have uh, green scarves or red scarves, depending on which team they support. And there's going to be like huge lines of cops at, at the train stations, which is fun. Um, and it's just going to be a nightmare because uh, people are either going to be like super depressed in the train if their team lost. Or they're gonna be like singing <laughs> fucking German Volksmusik, like German f uh, folk songs, or like uh, like the very bad like Schlager songs. So it's just. I feel like I, I, I yeah, have I'm, been on a. Bad. I have been on a German train while they're singing uh, the Bielefeld song. So yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then you know the experience. Yeah. Also. Fun fact, uh, one of the teams, like the Fürth team, the one that has the green scarves, is also Fürth is the place where Kendrick Kissinger is from. He was... Nice. Uh, <laughs> he emigrated from there and uh, he still supports the Fürth football team, so that's uh, okay. another reason to hate them, I guess. Well, you know, he's gonna die, so it'll be okay. Not a threat. Kissinger die challenge, not a threat, just a fact. <laughs> Uh, I do have money in the Tontine, so he's got to die on the 20th of February in three days if I want if I'm gonna win. Oh wow! So yeah. oh, I, I think I think about that in three days. <laughs> Cross your fingers. Um, I don't have any connection or or anything, so he's not gonna be in unless he's gonna be here to watch a football game or something, <laughs> which I don't know about. Is Not to like sound like a dick, but is German folk music like the worst type of folk or traditional music? Yes, it kind of is. Like it's uh, the it's kind I of think just you the have worst. To differentiate between uh, Volksmusik and Schlager. That's like two quite different. Well, I don't know what that is. Both bad. Types of mine folk is yeah. It's both not very good, mm. but like Schlager is way worse and like uh, draws from the from the folk music and makes it even worse. The difference between folks music and Schlager is just this one of is that one of them has an electronic beat and the other doesn't. <laughs> oh god. Um there's this like one gimmicky bar that I have gone to like once or twice where they have this like old man playing polka music like every night. Uh anyway. Alright, so um, <laughs> they're doing that in King's Landing. Everybody is uh in the yeah the I, i like to i like to think they're singing singing welsh folk tunes i think that would be nice <laughs> mm -hmm. sure i don't have as enough. long as they're not german folk tunes yeah i don't have enough like cultural knowledge to make jokes about <laughs> this so <laughs> they find a head in the sept of baylor's like rainbow pool that's nice yeah woman's head <laughs> nice no one knows who she is Uh, yeah, you know, I was, I was kind of wondering. This is such a specific thing that is this some kind of foreshadowing that I don't yet quite get. I mean, like a severed head in a in a place of like uh, religious importance. Yeah, that's 
uh, foreshadowing, but like the woman's head floating in, in the rainbow pool. That's such a weirdly, such a weird image. Uh, that it just threw it in there. I mean, I've got something that I could say about it okay. when we get there. Okay. I'll say it's a, it's a metaphor for the tourney as a whole because it looks like pretty from the outside, but it's got a head okay. floating in it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm just gonna mention because this one starts with like a small council meeting where uh, like what what Rana just mentioned about the crime rate but the one who uh, who reports about it is uh, the commander of the city watch uh, Janos Lind which is I think his first appearance in the book and I'm just gonna mention like for the one character in this book full of fake names that actually has, like, my real-life first name. <laughs> it kind of sucks to have him be such a dick. Unlucky. I, I just like that he's... <laughs> At least we can pronounce it Janos. Janos. It's just a, a Yeah, that's, that's the thing that saves it. Yeah, word I never heard, but it fits perfectly. <laughs> he puffed himself up like an angry frog. His bald pate reddening. <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm sure he's not gonna appear again anytime and won't yeah. play any significant role in the plot. Nah. Yeah, he seems nice. Uh, Ned gives him uh, how many? 50, 20 of his men? 50. Yeah, I think like half of his. Half of his I think uh, 50. Or something like that. Oh no, he hires 50, 50, 50 new yeah. men and he gets 20 of Ned's okay, men. Yeah. Okay, so that's a fifth. Okay. I think Ned brought like 100 men. Okay. Or no, wait, was it 50 or 100? I don't know. He sends, he gives him his own man. And this is like another thing where Ned, his administrative like expertise for the North doesn't apply here because again, he's like assuming that Janos is, uh, competent and not a fucking scumbag and et cetera. And like embezzling and all the arrest and accepting bribes and all that shit. Um, which I guess is minor spoilers, but he sucks. But, um, yeah, so he Ned could have been like uh inserting his men into like into commanding roles, but instead he just puts them in at like the ground floor, I guess. Um and puts them and them under Janos's com- command instead of like making them officers, which he could do. Uh oh. so yeah. Just like yeah, I think we had that in the last chapter as well where we said he kind of He's not using all the power he would have, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't know what what it specifically was about last time, but uh, I think we had something something similar. Yeah, yeah. Discussed a while back that he's a bit timid in being, yeah, like really, uh, really using his power. There's a few tennis mentions in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're on, if we can have a moment of tennis yeah. watch. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of Stannis mentions in this uh, in this yeah. chapter, mm-hmm. and Randy and yeah. Randy loses uncle points. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, we we get to that in a minute. I was gonna talk <laughs> about like the first Stannis mention in which uh, Randy says, uh, "We're fortunate my brother Stannis is not with us." Remember the time he proposed to outlaw brothels? The king asked him if perhaps he'd like to outlaw eating, shitting, and farting while he was at it. Stannis said sex worker rights. Oh no, wait, Renly says sex worker rights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, at this point he also says that uh, Stannis has an ugly daughter. Agreed. Yeah, so it's so impossible. From Renly here. Impossible to say whether he's good or bad, I guess. 
<laughs> he goes to his marriage bed like a man marching to a battlefield, with a grim look in his eyes and a determination to do his duty. He's just concentrated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's got a... There was that great uh, post about... Uh, it was like, imagine being married to Stannis Baratheon. He will have sex with you exactly once and call it his duty. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then Ned asks, like, why hasn't he showed up yet? Um, why is he still on vacation on Dragonstone? Uh, yeah, Littlefinger makes another joke. And uh, what else happens? Okay, that's the end of the meeting, basically. That's the end of the meeting, yeah. Um, um, and then... And then... Uh, yeah, next... He says, oh, he reads a book. He takes a look into his, into his yeah. one book, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's... Uh, really yeah, at this point, like, uh, really this was the point where this uh, chapter started to feel like a point-and-click adventure game to me. <laughs> where... <laughs> that's why it's so good. <laughs> it's good like the whole net detective quest feels feels like that to me where you don't exactly know what you're looking for you just have use, to like click at everything with book <laughs> <laughs> try again later you have entered yeah. the hand solar <laughs> the obvious exits are east west and the window <laughs> there is a book on the table what do you do <laughs> uh read book <laughs> Open page to Lannister family. They all have gold hair. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> but yeah, but don't you have that uh, thing every time where you have to read a book in a video game that you just con- instantly zone out? Like, uh, you start reading and then, okay, just... Yeah, Ned picks up the end book end. and it doesn't immediately make his lock picking better, so he just puts it back down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's not interested in the law. He's, he's just me maxing. <laughs> uh, All right, so then we get to the interesting part. Yeah, Jory appears. Yeah. Jory appears. Wait, and then doesn't want. Uh, oh yeah, dude, I like have completely brain wiped these chapters for some reason. <laughs> I just don't remember what the fuck happened. So they go. I'm like looking at the pages right now. They go to. Um, he tells him about one of uh, John Aaron's old stable boys, and that doesn't really sound promising. So then they go to, um, they go to the Sir Hugh. Well, he yeah, he also talks about oh, Sir Hugh, the... who yeah, he refused to come, like I mentioned last uh, last episode, um, because he's, uh, you know, he's proud or something. He's a stuck-up new-made knight. Um, and then they go, he says, send men to brothels because we don't know which brothel the, uh, the, like, that John and Stannis visited. Uh, and then they go to the, uh, Smith shop that they visited to find out what they were looking Mm -hmm. for. So, yeah, we ride through, um, the Street of Steel up to the top. And to Tobomat's shop, he's got a pretty interesting shop. It's got a door made out of weirwood and ebony with a hunting scene carved into it. That's some fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tobomat opens the door, or maybe a servant does, but whatever. Tobomat has uh, like a sapphire 
necklace that looks like an egg. Um, the sapphire in it does. That's interesting. Um, he talks about how he makes armor for all these cool dudes, and I could make you some uh, scary helmet. And he says he starts interrogating him, basically. This is again when it felt like uh, when in Ace Attorney you at- arrive at a new location and there's like someone where it's first like a bunch of question marks and then you have to talk to them and then you have to go through all the dialogue options uh, and until like the, they say the information that you need to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're going to try and catch him out with um, all the different dialogue options and then you can go back through it again and unlock <laughs> new, new information. Yeah. Uh, he tells a story that he tells a story about how, uh, or is that no? It's not a story. It's like Ned, something Ned remembers how um, Randy showed him a portrait of a girl and asked him if if she reminds him of anyone, and then he was very disappointed that Ned didn't say she looks like Lyanna because it was Marjorie. Like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> Ned would be so confused. That's oh. just like, is he trying to be Robert? <laughs> so I found this girl. Is she hot? Does she look like your sister? <laughs> Ned's like, I want to be like Robert. Like your, so everyone else must. <laughs> uh, he also, um, whenever he's like walking through the up to the smithy, um, Beric shows up and comes in the gates. So nothing really huh, happens, but yeah, Beric Dondarrion. Shows up. That's his our first mention of him. He's not going to be important at all. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy. Yeah, and he he's a, kind of a himbo. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's a regular alive man. <laughs> <laughs> what a normal description. <laughs> he's a regular alive man <laughs> for eight be alive seasons. Alive <laughs> uh, Yeah. So anyway, back to the interrogation scene. Um, he says, uh, Tobomat tells him that they just wanted to see the boy. And Ned's like, "What? who's the boy? I want to see him. I love boys. Um, <laughs> uh, so they ta- he takes him back and introduces him to Gendry. Uh, yeah. And uh, Gendry has a helmet. Uh, and... Yeah, he asks him, like, what they talk about with uh, John and Stannis. I guess Stannis probably wouldn't... Yeah, Stannis, like, didn't want to talk to him at all. He didn't, like... He, like, looked at him from the door and then never again. (laughs) (laughs) Stannis was apparently seen in the brothels, which is... uh... Yeah. Once again, if you think of it as like uh, as like an adventure game, this is where there's like an Ace Attorney thing. This is where there's a contradiction. Uh, like, oh yeah, Stannis definitely. Wouldn't be, he just said that he wants to outlaw brothels, but then he just walks around in brothels. There's something. There's something up with that. <laughs> hmm. You complain about society, yet you participate in it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> It's like three pages later as well, so it's not like the book is being yeah. particularly subtle. Yeah. Look, there's a lot going on in this book, so you have to uh, make sure everyone is uh, following the mystery. Yeah, it's no Jojen paste, I'll give it that. <laughs> uh, spoilers. Anyway. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> what, what would that be? 
Jojen uh, gives Bran some glue. Uh, <laughs> any, any Jojen's bizarre adventure. That's that's a different show. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Georgian just just gives Bran some toothpaste because he realizes he has yeah. bad mouth hygiene. <laughs> Only in this universe that's toothpaste. just like salt. <laughs> uh bread and salt. They're just eating uh bread and toothpaste together. Oh. Um Okay. So then yeah, anyway, point is Ned realizes that Gendry is Ned's star or wait, what the fuck? Uh, is <laughs> Gentry is Ned Stark <laughs> confirmed? He's Robert Baratheon's bastard child, is what they realize. Um, and then the chapter ends, basically. Oh wait, first yeah, he like he decides that he likes Tobomot because he's protecting the boy. Someone in chat, I think it was Eve, but I don't remember exactly if it was them or someone else, pointed out that uh, Gendry behaves in a very similar way Arya does, mm. which uh, I thought was really accurate. Mm. Like, he's also super stubborn. He made this he made this helmet with horns on it, uh, but he refuses to give it to Ned, uh, even though Tobomot tells him to. Uh, he's also, like, kind of... You know, he's like they have they have like the same the same uh, stubbornness and the same energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the same like resistance to uh, certain cultural norms and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, because uh, Ned Ned praises his helmet and uh, like asks to buy it, and he says it's not for sale. And his master is like, "Give it to him. Fuck you! Like, what are you doing? How rude!" But all right. Yeah, that's pretty much the end of the chapter. Any last thoughts about it? Well, yeah, that's also a very like uh, detailed description of the person who who brought Gantry to Tobomot. And mm, it yeah. reads like we're supposed to know who that is, but honestly, I I don't. <laughs> I constantly Even forget. Like, I think like, it's... We can talk about I it. Know, spoilers. Yeah, we'll talk about it in the spoiler <laughs> yeah. section because, okay, I mean, sure. I know who it is. Okay. I'm okay, I, I don't have any more notes on this chapter, so we can move on to uh, Catelyn. Yeah, it's raining. It's raining. Uh, Roger it gets raining. soaked raining to the chair. bones, as uh, we have discussed in detail in uh, Over and Book Club. <laughs> His bones. Uh, yeah, so Catelyn's enjoying, like, warm rain. She isn't used to that anymore, because in the north it's always cold rain. Uh and they're just traveling on the King's Road for some reason instead of taking a boat. Weird. Uh, and then, uh, Kat, like, Roderick's concerned about hiding their identities, but Callan's not really worried about it. They see somebody that would know her, um, but he doesn't because he just, like, assumes that they're two random travelers and isn't, you know, we live in a society, you see what you expect to see kind of thing. Um... And then, so she says, like, yeah, we'll be fine at this inn because this dude didn't recognize me. So they go to the inn at the crossroads, which is a completely normal place and will never be visited again. Mm. And nothing bad will happen here uh, mm. over and over. But... <laughs> yeah, it's an uncursed place. Yeah, it's a totally normal place. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, what happens here? They meet a nice innkeeper lady, 
and she's chewing some sour leaf that makes her teeth red. And they just have a chill meal with some fun guys. Interesting. Yeah, they totally, no one uh, blows their cover. Uh, it's not like, it's like a fun moment is when uh, Kat tells uh, Roderick, okay, we'll pretend you're my father. And then he says, yes, my lady. <laughs> uh, I like, too, that this was kind of like a little minor minor thing. So they go down to dinner and they sit next to um, this singer. Or sit, he sits next to them, I guess. But um, they, uh, so they were saying, I'll, we'll be father and daughter. But he assumes that um, Roderick is her grandfather. Um, mm. which is like kind of an interesting class thing, I think, because just like nobles live longer. They like, I don't know if they uh, tend to have children later or something, but you know, he sees like this 50 year old man and assumes that he's a grandfather instead of just a father. I guess Catelyn's very like wet and she's muddy and she probably looks pretty young. Um, and it shows how young she does look compared to Ned as well. Oh. Yeah, Cat's hot. Anyway. <laughs> Theon agrees, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Theon knows. Pretty much everyone agrees. Yeah. Some would say uh, that Catelyn is hot. Um, <laughs> and she's not wet. Like, they cha- they changed clothes and waited a little bit before oh, they, they Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. So the singer yeah, here like- is named Marillion. Hmm. Mm. Who's that? Mm. Will he come up again? He fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we don't need to say what he's gonna do later but man it's like one of those you know there's sometimes those characters that are like complex uh complex bad i guess or like the famous gray characters you know and then there's those that you just absolutely hate yeah hmm. yeah marillion uh anyway to be fair he doesn't have the best time um spoilers <laughs> This is yeah. also the moment where uh, Roderick becomes a bit uh, problematic <laughs> yeah. because he says something like uh, he could not comprehend why any healthy boy would fill his hand with a harp when he might have uh, had a sword. And calling back oh, damn, to uh, to Sam two chapters before, yeah, like, mm. you're right. This thinking is not super great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we saw where where this yeah this image leads. Yeah, where so, the extreme yeah. version of this goes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a good observation. So, yeah, you're right. So, Sir Roderick is cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> but Marillion does suck, so it's... Who knows? <laughs> Maybe if he had seen Sam singing, he would have uh, have liked him. But also, like, two, line, uh, two lines before Sir Roderick, like, specifically has a favorite singer, or... Yeah, true. Yeah, but it's a woman like, singer. Right. It's the best singer you, you've ever heard, and like he immediately has an answer to that. <laughs> but it's a woman yeah. singer, because... Yeah, it's a female okay. singer. Okay. It's, it's Dolly Parton. Obviously. True. <laughs> I like this line, your grandfather has a sour nature. I love to like just insult <laughs> somebody's being. It's <laughs> mm. <laughs> very nature. good. It's like when you... Uh, you talk about someone's energy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he has bad chakras. I'm getting some bad vibes from your your grandpa right here. <laughs> Just <laughs> rancid vibes. <laughs> uh, 
Oh yeah, and then there's some funny stuff about how he asks or Cat asks if he's ever been to River Run, and Merlion brags about how he's like a he's like a brother to the young lord there, and Catelyn's like, uh-huh. uh, actually, he's my brother, and he hates singers because one <laughs> cucked him once. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we'll ever meet That's that guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> Edmure's the best. I love Edmure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to meet him again. Yeah. His Edmure is uh I, I think I mentioned this also at one point in uh in Discord that um out of the we were talking about Uncle Bowl and out of all the uncles in in these books, Edmure is the one who is most like my own uncle in that uh he's not cool at all. <laughs> uh and like he's not he doesn't do anything bad he just kind of in general is extremely uncool in in a way that isn't cool like not not uncool in a way that i don't know boomer memes are uncool that it's uh it comes back to being funny or to being cool just just uncoolest in the least cool way just like boring yeah exactly oh that's sad <laughs> i guess i don't know anyway uh so they're it's having whatever. a normal it's, dinner. It's, some people are just like that. Yes. They're, yeah, they're having some dinner, and then uh, somebody walks in uh, through the door. He They fucking booked it from the wall, but Tyrion got here basically almost in the same time as Callan did from King's Landing. Uh, and he comes in, and he's asking for a room, and he's making jokes about how he's uh, not very big, haha. I'm a little funny dwarf man, and then uh, and then Merillion uh, pipes up and says, "I'll sing you the reigns of Castamere or some shit." And Tyrion's like, "Fuck you!" And he notices Catelyn. <laughs> and this is like exactly like in a, a tabletop game where your party decides that we're gonna we're gonna have fake identities and like do a deception type mission and like. Five minutes into the mission, uh, someone blows your cover, like someone appears, and then, I don't know, either a fight breaks out, or you're gonna, or you fucking get, get them arrested, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you also make some split decisions that have wild consequences, but you had, like, you just did it. Yeah. Yeah, so Catelyn yeah. does one of those, but, uh, yeah. The one, the, you know, the one thing I gotta hand uh, Mr. Brendan Beefish is uh, can agree that Catelyn did nothing wrong. Yeah, you got. I mean, yeah, I don't agree on his reads on Catelyn the character, but he's right that she did, did do nothing wrong. Yeah, gotta hand it to him. Mm. Um, yeah, so Catelyn uh, basically like she goes around the room and there's all these men with swords that are pledged to her father's house, and she says like hey you guys like the tullys right and they're like oh yeah yeah and and she's like well i'm a tully and this guy tried to murder my son and they all uh like citizens arrest him to Tyrion. she goes my name is my name is caitlin tully and welcome to punk (laughs) (laughs) it's very good uh yeah Eddie P. got uh, said that this is the most and everyone clapped moment in this book. <laughs> uh, or in these books where just... Yeah, if you look at it start. from 
If you look at it from Tyrion's perspective, this is the second time that the Starks have just become incredibly aggressive towards him for seemingly no reason. Anywhere <laughs> <laughs> he, he walks line. in, people are mm-hmm. just attacking him. Yeah, yeah, like exactly about so that uh, in the final line where it says, she did not know what was more satisfying, the sound of a dozen swords drawn as one, or the look on Tyrion Lannister's face. <laughs> And that look is like so different from Tyrion's perspective than as what Catelyn interpreted it here. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a pretty good chapter. It's it's very cool. I love the stuff when uh, in in uh, Song of Ice and Fire when people are like on the road. Oh yeah, uh, that's mm-hmm. always. I don't know. He describes the specific atmosphere, like in the inn, or uh, or like on the roads, like the fucking. What's the in, in in a feast for crows? There's going to be a lot of this. It's also foreshadowing like how easy it is to pretend to be a normal person if you're one of the highborn people because no one knows what you look like, so you can just mm. wear different clothes and people won't know who you are. Yeah, yeah. There's no Twitter in vampire times. Mm. Basically, exactly. yeah. Like all the nice clothes and the the sigils and stuff are basically. That's the only way of identifying anybody. Uh, mm. and, uh, you know, I mean, in this, like, yeah, I lost my train of thought. And you could also, not that this would come up at any point uh, or something, but like, just going off of that, you could also just as well give someone uh, clothes uh, of the house. Mm-hmm. And no matter, no matter if they even look like the people they pretend to be, you can just sell someone as... Uh, someone who belongs to a great house and even if people know that they're not the right person just just the fact that they have the sigil is gonna is gonna be good enough mm-hmm. so exactly. this is not gonna happen at any time in these books so don't worry about it but like theoretically <laughs> uh yeah i don't have a whole lot to talk about for this chapter i guess until we get to like theory area i guess i could mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's some, um, Masha had all the inkeep, uh, has... With the red smile. Yeah, yeah, she chews sour leaf <laughs> and she, her mouth always looks bloody. So, that's interesting. <laughs> Good shit, Masha. I guess sour leaf is, like, red tobacco leaves or something? Mm. I have no idea. I yeah, think it's, I think it's, it's similar like, to sure, something sure that tobacco. exists. Yeah. Is sour leaf like a real thing, or did George make that up? I think I think there's something similar. Yeah, that exists. Yeah. I mean, it's similar to chewing Good tobacco, people, like with the sources. <laughs> um. Uh, any other? Yeah, thoughts? I googled sour leaf, and the first result is a wiki of ice and fire. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any other thoughts about? It's this apparently one? similar to chewing tobacco. Okay. Yeah. I was called battle nut. Battle nut. What? Uh, there's this thing. It's called. Battle nut in Papua New Guinea, and people chew it, and it makes their teeth red. Huh. Mm. That sounds like an inspiration for this. Yeah. I'm sure George knew about it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> He's an expert on New Guinean culture. Yeah. I guess. Uh, I mean, he does pull. He pulls like. There's like Japanese mythology in there. There's a lot of stuff, but um, like. Anyway, there's a bunch of different. I'm guessing George reads a lot, so, you know, it makes sense that he learns about other things. Yeah. yeah. Um, any other thoughts about this one? Yeah, I found it uh, 
like one little thing I found uh, I found a bit strange is uh, at the beginning of the chapter when uh, she recalls that uh, she and Lysa made uh, mud pies and uh, and gave them to Littlefinger, and he he ate so much that he was sick for a week and. I don't know what kind of mud pies they made, but I feel like you would know by the first bite. Like, how did he eat so much of them? <laughs> he, I mean, I don't know. He's always been very ambitious. <laughs> 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 this is the only way to treat Littlefinger. It's just force feed him fucking mud. Yeah. I don't know. Like, a mud pie, if, if you just say... So, him, yeah. If you say mud pie to most, like... Yeah, that means like like cow dung, cow dung, like a yeah. So that's what I thought I it would be. I think it's just um, mud in like a in yeah. like a circle. That's what I <laughs> that's what I think of. <laughs> it's just a circle of mud, and you're like, ah, oh, it's a mud pie. But how doesn't I mean, he like? Maybe, he eats maybe one, the and real he would pie notice that this is uh, bad, at right? River Run were really bad, and he couldn't tell the difference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like you eat you eat one bite and you stop. You won't eat up like yeah. a shit ton of them <laughs> he's a social client that he was like ah this is what the highborns eat <laughs> this is literally like an anime thing where he's like doing this to fucking impress his like waifu or yeah. whatever the fuck yeah, like, <laughs> he's like yeah he's he's not owned <laughs> <laughs> he's like rock lee doing a thousand push-ups to try and like impress a girl instead he's just eating a bunch of shit <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, he's like, like in in yeah. JoJo when he's like, uh, "I kicked myself in the balls on purpose." <laughs> <laughs> I gotta watch that show. Uh, Everything I hear about it, it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it's very good. Uh, all right, yeah, Littlefinger does yeah. kick himself in the balls. But uh, so next we have Sansa's chapter. We have Sansa's very chapter cool. and the. Uh, the art for this chapter on the wiki is fucking adorable. <laughs> Wait, can you link that? I'm gonna link that. I hope this shows the preview. It's not me or Pete Littlefinger again, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. It's just uh, Sansa being absolutely engrossed. Ah, Okay. Baby. She's so baby in this picture. Uh, so there's a lot going that's... on in this one, huh? Mm. I assume that's early in the chapter. A lot of a lot of names in this chapter. Oh yeah, so many names. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, think, I think, also the one where I note the, wrote the most notes. Yeah. Do you think George has like a big chart where he writes down who beats who in like jousting, so he can he yeah. can rank everyone in the the, the, in the fucking world. jousting fantasy league? That would yeah, be so exactly. good. <laughs> he is a sports fan, so who knows? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Where are you always tweeting about makes me football? Where's the jousting tweets, George? <laughs> Maybe he's gonna come like, off like that. Yeah. Like I like that. Something like, like that Fire movie. and Blood, but it's just about uh, that would be so good. Like a like a book that is just about sports in Westeros. Hmm. It's just lists of who be who for page yeah, after yeah. page. <laughs> Because uh, also, like of the of the Duncan Egg things, there's also like the first one that is attorney is also extremely good. Oh yeah, it's good as fuck. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, 
bright colors and a lot of nights and it's very fun and magical and Sansa's swept away Nothing to a fantasy world where uh, she's in a song. They, they all they all have really fancy helmets. Is that just the norm? <laughs> they seem really impractical. Have you seen that uh, that picture where someone drew the helmets uh, after the <laughs> no. descriptions in the book? <laughs> no, I would like to see it. God, I it's super goofy. I'm gonna try to find it. Uh, um keep talking george doesn't there's a lot that, i mean we we were like ragging on i don't know if it was on an episode but we were ragging on uh beefish for like liking the strategy and military stuff i'm kind of a nerd for that too i have to admit um uh there's a lot of like there's some stuff that's not super accurate to like actual warfare especially the sword fighting um in the books it's not really like and like how how armor like makes you move and that kind of shit it's it's like armor a full set of plate is like lighter than a modern soldier's kit so it's like about 40 or 50 pounds total but it's like spread across your whole body so it doesn't make you like move really slowly and you have a pretty good range of motion and that sort of stuff but anyway the helmets would definitely be this way for attorney like it's all about pageantry and and looking good and uh you know it's you know it's fucking wrestling basically uh but on, on a battlefield you would probably have like less ornamentation a little bit unless you're i mean if you're taiwan you're like sitting in the back like a dumbass or asshole like uh with your big fancy <laughs> armor but if you're like yeah the if you're like riding in a battle with antlers i don't know maybe they have ones that have like maybe smaller antlers so you're not getting that shit caught up in a maybe they have like like hinges so you can like put them back or something like that i don't know <laughs> these faces are like <laughs> where are they pulled from <laughs> so to describe what what i just linked i found the post uh of the helmet description so like uh oh and they also have uh they also have the descriptions themselves so here the there's uh, sir flamand brax who is wearing uh like a unicorn or no this is like a horse head helmet uh that uh yeah robot has a war hammer on uh on his helmet so Wait. Or this is like great antlers, like they're also super impractical. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gregor has like a like a like a fist. dog jumping out. He has the fist. That's a lot. That's an interesting yeah, design. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a. I feel like it would be a lot of that would be heavy if it's all made of metal. If it's a solid fist made out of metal. No, it's a stone fist, I think. Um, I mean, it's described that way. His whole armor is, like, described as stone a couple times, like, in the Bran dream. I don't don't remember if it's described that way in this chapter, but uh, Gregor is always, like, described as being made out of stone, so... The bastard man of uh, Ramsey has a helmet that has uh, a shape of a man's face and shoulder, skinless and bloody mouth open, silent howl of anguish, 
which sounds very scary in description, but if you see the image, it's just ridiculous. There's just like a face on top of his head. <laughs> He's got the visor lifted, so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but like you gotta, like this is just... gonna happen. It's gonna happen that you lift the. the it kind of reminds me of like um, My Hero Academia. I don't know if any of you watch it. How uh, the main characters. Uh, like Deku's uh, superhero costume has like super goofy bunny ears and like most of the time he's not wearing his hat thing so it looks more normal but if he like actually puts it on top of his face it just looks very funny I could make that shit look creepy this makes me want to draw more I still need to finish our damn poster (laughs) but um, a bunch of uh, riding horses and jousting happens uh, yes. Uh, Septa, Septa Morden is cancelled in this one. I mean... Oh, yeah. Again. <laughs> <laughs> she's never not cancelled. They're kind of... Because she's hanging out with uh, Jane Poole and Septa Morden. Right? Like, that's the... Yeah. That's the and Jane Poole is racist in this one? W- what does she say? Uh, she's frightened by uh, Charlotte Show for some okay, reason. Okay, that's not... Despite that's him not just, cool. like, Having a cool feather cape, which is nothing <laughs> yeah, to be scared scary. of, really. Yeah. Uh, Sansa is very well behaved in this one. Like the <laughs> the whole thing is that uh, Sansa kind of knows how, like instinctively knows how to behave on a uh, tourney, like to not lose your composure. At one point, someone dies, and she like doesn't faint or anything. She actually watches in some sort of morbid fascination, which is also. Uh, yeah, we can talk about that in a minute. Uh, but like uh, at this point, like Septa Morden actually commends her for or like nods in approval that she has learned her <laughs> ladyly ways well, which Jane Poole apparently doesn't. When watching a man die in front of her, yeah, yeah, how dare Jane like a, like, like a proper uh, lady? You could say it's a, it, faint when a man dies. Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of mirroring Bran seeing the um, execution in the first chapter. Mm. Oh yeah, these, so yeah, these yeah, all our babies dissociate all the time. <laughs> the, the Starks are kind of like Catholic, I guess, in that you're uh, not supposed to show like any, uh, like you have to internalize this shit and not show. Uh, show it that you're shocked or anything. Just just internalize your guilt and like bottle it all up. You have to be stoic, like ice. Can't, yeah. can't move your face. Wow, that's. that's <laughs> <deep>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that that is something. But like, also, like her, her her thoughts are also very like calm and and uh, stoic. Like it's not just her outside. She's yeah, kind of describing it that not not feeling much about watching yeah. this man die for some reason. It's weird. Yeah, she has to pretend it's someone she knows in order to feel anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the point where the where the one knight dies, there's this. Her reaction to it is like after the morbid fascination thing, she thinks uh, there would be no song songs for him. That was yeah. sad. So it's kind of. Interesting reaction, I guess. Yes, that uh, the thing that very distant. makes her sad is that his I mean, legacy it's... doesn't live on, or that there, mm. there won't be songs. Go ahead, Rainer. I think you're cutting out, Raina. Or did you not say anything? No, I didn't say anything, Raina. Okay, it sounded like you were starting to say something. 
Uh, there's also like there's just a lot of characters. I don't know if we need to like go over all of them that uh, that joust. But uh, there's a funny man named Thoros of Mir uh, appearing here. Like it is actually described as how Jane is giggling when when they see him because he's like. He looks kind of goofy, I guess, with his flaming sword. It's, I guess, it's kind of another like, I mean, not, I don't know. He's like funny foreigner because he's wearing robes. Oh. Uh huh. And I guess Jane is, but she's racist, huh? But she's not frightened of the guy with the flaming sword. <laughs> well, he's not using a flaming sword for this because they're jousting. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> True. Uh. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Thoros unhorses Beric. So, I don't. Huh. Yeah, I don't know if that means anything, but interesting. Interesting. Beric is also like wearing wearing his cool lightning sig- lightning sigil, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is like one of the best sigils in uh, Song of Ice and Fire. I think. Yeah. Fun fact. Um. Uh. I think it's like. Uh. Dun. What's a uh, German for thunder? Donner. Yeah. So, uh, or like Dundar is like the older version, maybe. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, That's yeah, also be. like in in Norse mythology. There's also like yeah stuff about that. Yeah. Well, Dundarian is like Dundarian. Okay, that makes a sense. lightning. Yeah, lightning boy. Yeah, because the the Germanic name of like the god Thor is uh, Donar. Mm-hmm. So that's also there might be something there. I don't know. I haven't thought about it deeply. Oh man, there's a isn't um they had to like change uh the Stark's names in the German version because Stark just means strong. Oh, I don't think they changed the Stark's names. They changed oh, some other family's name. Really? I think Lannister wasn't Lannister or something. I don't know. Rainer, do you know about the, this? Which one they changed? With Lannister, they just changed the A to an E for some reason. So it's Lannister. <laughs> okay, that's in interesting. Just like a, a phonetic change. Yeah, then there's uh, the Grey choice, who become the Graufreuds. They just translate Grey and Joy yeah. into okay. German. Mm. But I think most of the other, most of the others keep unchanged. Because there's like an old dead house named that was House Strong, but I thought I heard that like Stark is basically strong in. Yeah, star, stark means strong. Okay, so did, maybe they changed the. They just not strong. not consistent in what they change, I guess. Maybe they changed. They changed the uh, strongs. They changed the bastard the bastard names. Oh yeah. They yeah, translated, they translated them. I think all of them. Yeah. So, so it's John Schnee. What's his name? John Schnee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. Um, <laughs> all right. We we also get the first appearance of Moonboy okay. of uh, oh, yeah. hmm. of uh, Moonboy of all I know fame. Does Moonboy? Oh well, yeah, we get to the um... <laughs> baby. He's like walking around on stilts. For a wee now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we get to this the feast. I think. Oh yeah. Oh, speaking of the feast. Okay, just just to close out the Moonboy thing, uh, which I. I, I noticed about this is that uh, first it's like it's a very simple man who is doing japes and then 
Moon Sensei, Sensei is wondering if he was simple after all because his jokes are so clever or so cleverly observed or something. So it's weird that pr- apparently the assumption of like fools is that they're actually dumb and not that they're like really good at their comedians, jobs, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Joffrey, who is also there, I guess we can get to Joffrey in a second. Well, I was going to say first, Loras uh, gives her the red rose. Oh, yeah. Was that before that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, okay, so let's talk about Loras, I guess. Sort of. <laughs> well, he just gives her a rose. Um, I guess only the mm-hmm. victor of the tourney can crown the queen of love and beauty. Uh, oh, yeah. It's just because um, yeah. Peter says, your mother was my queen of beauty once. God. Electric Finger. chair. Can you chill for one second? <laughs> Which is a cool thing to say to a child uh, after, mm. um, before then stroking her hair and saying it's like her mother's. Yeah. Hey, Rhino, do you still enjoy Little Finger? No, like I, I, I never enjoyed him. Like uh, last time I said, this, <laughs> it was kind of interesting and. Uh, like, he was entertaining to read because he was, like, making funny shapes and stuff. But, yeah, here is, he's just a creeper, and uh, I don't like it. Like, Electric he comes chair. After, she's like, who the fuck? Um, oh, the turning. So this, is where, like this is where uh, Septa Morden gets cancelled, right? Oh, yeah, where she doesn't do a fucking anything. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, she's just like, hmm, normal interaction. Uh yeah, so the tourney... Wow, he's on the small council. The tourney gets uh, uh, postponed for... Uh, I like the rest of it. gets postponed for the next day. Uh, and they go eat a lot of food. Yeah. There's a lot of good-sounding food in here. Yeah, I was gonna... Because uh, we were gonna have uh, Kay on this episode, but she had to cancel, uh, unfortunately. But she wanted to do, like, a segment on food. So let's, like, honor her in <laughs> talking about the food. Uh, so here's, here's, here's the courses that they have. A thick soup of barley and venison. Salads of sweet grass and spinach and plums sprinkled with crushed nuts. Snails and honey and garlic. Sansa had never eaten snails before. Joffrey showed her how to get the snail out of the shell and fed her the first sweet morsel himself. Then came trout fresh from the river, baked in clay. Her prince helped her crack open the hard casing to explore the flaky white flesh within. And when the meat course was brought in, uh, brought out, he served her himself, slicing a queen's portion of the joint, smiling as he laid it on her plate. Uh, there's more like Joffrey stuff here. Uh, later came sweetbreads and pigeon pl- pie and baked apples fragrant with cinnamons and lemon cakes frosted in sugar. But by then Sansa was so stuffed that she could not manage more than two little lemon cakes as much as she loved them. Okay, so this is the first mention of Sansa and lemon cakes, which I didn't remember. I thought it was just in the... Um, uh, Butterbumps chapter where it gets uh, where it comes up. Mm. Um, I, some like I mean, first of all, I would eat all of this. Uh, that's kind of my default. Like I'll eat anything, but it all sounds <laughs> fucking awesome. I don't, I've never had snails either, but yeah, I'd eat that. Um, but what I've talked a little bit about before. I've had snails and they are not they are nothing special. Like snails with honey and garlic, taste of honey and garlic. Oh, yeah, I mean... Probably, yeah. Who can say no to honey and... They don't have much of a taste uh, to them. okay. Good to know. So, alright. If I just ate them by themselves, it'd be, like, gross. I don't know. I've never eaten snails. I don't snails. know. Like, 
Uh, slightly, I don't know, like slightly earthy chicken, maybe. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> what about the... I think my favorite is trout fresh. I mean, there's a reason like you eat them with so. a lot of garlic, usually. Mm. So. Oh, yeah, and it's baked in clay. That's like, hmm, keep all the juices in. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I've talked about um, how honey and, like, sweet stuff um, is generally, like icy and poisony and like death associated um but lemon cakes are like or lemons in general are, are there's a bunch of times where they're associated with like innocence with danny with sansa i think even in sam's uh like story he talks about i forget i'd have to look at that but um anyway it's associated with like innocence and and you know, just like youthful joy, and it's a sour thing. So it's it seems like pretty consistent that like uh, the way he's associating these uh, themes with different foods. Huh? Yeah. I don't have much else to add on foods. Uh, I'll say it's interesting that he serves her the queen's portion. What is the queen's portion? I think that just means he. Not sure. He just gave her a big slice. Of oryx. Okay. Just interesting phrasing, I think. Yeah. It's like in this chapter, uh, Sansa is back to... She's not actually back to it, but, like, she tries to uh, forget about... Like, she tells herself that it wasn't Joffrey's fault. That lady had to die. It was just uh, Cersei and Arya's fault, which... Okay. Mm. Uh, she's She's not wrong about Cersei, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure about Arya. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's. But she's like kind of charmed by Joffrey again because he's behaving I, very much as I, as I one, guess he was at, taught to behave in this situation. Uh, he's mansplaining the jokes to her, which I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think she's trying really hard uh, to like him at this point because she knows yeah. that she kind of has to. Yeah, for sure. She's. At one. At one. At one point, she says he was too beautiful to hate, which is kind oh, of yeah. interesting, like in, in a general like fantasy trope of like uh, beautiful mm. is good and and ugly is evil. Yeah, mm. yeah, um, yeah. She's she's really shifted the blame uh, and like kind of done some mental gymnastics to try to absolve Joffrey and and uh, that sort of thing. So that's what I think I talked about it whenever. At the, like, that chapter that um, she sees a side of him, but it's, like, not enough yet to, on its own, to, like, make her resist all of society. Yeah, like, at this point, it's very easy to shift the blame, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, like, he wasn't the main, like, he was behaving shitty, but, like, ultimately, it was Cersei and Robert's fault that uh, Lady had to die. Yeah. And I think... Uh... I think it was Kay again who, who pointed out today in the chat that uh, Joffrey also very much is a 12-year-old who was attacked by a fucking murder beast. <laughs> so Yeah, I hate to hand it to them, but yeah. True. Uh, like, for for him to be like, uh, please kill these, uh, these big monster wolves, uh, yeah, is uh, understandable to some degree. Yeah, Sansa does mention yeah. that um, the way he's moving his arm, like, he doesn't complain, but she can tell that it still hurts. Mm, yeah. 
but like his pride. Yeah. True. Uh, what did you say? Huh? Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just uh, just was just cutting out for a second. Uh, so then um, uh, they're eating and it's nice, uh, but then there's uh, a big dramatic thing happen, uh, like drama happens. <laughs> it's fucking like some reality TV shit happens. <laughs> uh, Robert is yelling and he's drunk as fuck and he's like making a scene and uh, he's yelling at Cersei that uh, he's the king and if he wants to fight he'll fight tomorrow in the melee. Ah, uh, <sighs> Robert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. We get a nice. Uh, the queen's face was. A mask so bloodless that it might have been sculpted from snow. Interesting. Damn. Yeah. Interesting. A lot of icy stuff associated with Cersei, um, especially yeah. in this book. I mean, it continues, but we can talk about that maybe if we get to it. But it's like good Cersei robot characterization, though I think, because mm-hmm. before we haven't had uh, that that much. Like we've more, we see more of robot side because of the net chapters. Yeah, uh, but like at this point, it's impossible to be at robot's side in side in this situation. Like Cersei, sure, sure, Cersei does a lot of bad things, but uh, we kind of see how this is a very uh, bad yeah. <laughs> relationship for for her to be. In. But she's she is. Um, I mean, we. This was like an odd... If we had the next chapter in this group, we would have been probably talking about this stuff at the same time. So this is like a minor spoiler. She was basically like manipulating him into wanting... Like, she knows that the best way to get him to do something is to tell him that you can't do it. So she's (laughs) manipulating him here um, too. So Uh, there's also... And Jamie's also involved, isn't he? Yeah, I don't know if he's in on the like manipulation part but he's like trying to he tries to calm down robert and puts a hand on his yeah. shoulder but he just imme- like immediately throws him down to the fucking ground and laughs about it and brags calls him the kingslayer as <laughs> yeah yeah good shit from robert i like knowing what jamie's like i don't think he's in on the manipulation part i think he just genuinely doesn't want him to fight yeah mm. Wants him Jamie's... to stop yelling at Cersei anyway. Yeah. I don't think Jamie's brain is capable of uh, doing, <laughs> like, manipulation. <laughs> I love Jamie so much. He's... I can't wait to get to yeah. more yeah. Jamie Problematic fave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We also have... Uh, there's a lot of, like, really interesting stuff on how people respond to this. So Lord Renly, he comes in he's like smiling and he says you've spilled your wine let me bring you a fresh goblet and he's just like trying to calm he's also trying to calm robert down but it's in like the worst way of just reinforcing this like bad habit and he's just like just give him more wine and he'll become happy again like (laughs) the fuck (laughs) yeah so not very good i wonder if he wants uh robert to associate him with um, good things as well because um, it's easier to get him on his side if he thinks Renly's on his side oh yeah he's just like he's just appeasing he's like an enabler mm. yeah 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Joffrey, uh, again, another good character moment in his response to this outburst. Uh, he has a queer dead look on his face or something like, or, uh, it doesn't say dead, but as if we were not seeing her. At yeah, all. yeah. He's another baby dissociating. Hmm. Uh, he asks Sansa if she needs an escort. And Sansa gets kind of excited because, or first she sees that Septim Ordain is fucking pass the fuck out, party hard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What a great chaperone. Oh my god. Uh, So then Sansa says. I mean, I would. Yeah. Good? Okay. Septim Ordain is just the kind of person you. you wouldn't even trust to uh, to watch over someone that you actually hate. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, not the best. But yeah, Sansa <laughs> says yes, and then she gets excited because she thinks Joffrey will take her, but he calls Sandor, and uh, uh, yeah, he like leaves and doesn't even say goodbye. He just wants to be out of there. Uh, and Sandor... Uh, walks Sansa to the castle, and it's very normal. Yeah, they just mm-hmm. walk Nothing quietly and they don't way. talk. Yeah, it's very professional. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so yeah, here we get Sandor's backstory, of course, uh, of how his brother, you know, burnt his face when he was playing with his toys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. This is um really. I mean, uh, people have pointed it out before, but um, Sandor is playing with a toy knight that Gregor had. Um, so, you know, this is like a, a hint that Sandor used to, you know, he used to buy in. He was a child once, too. He used to buy into the, like, societal promises. And now, you know, his brother does this horrible thing to him and basically gets rewarded for it. Like he doesn't get punished at all. He says the maester gave me ointments for my face and Gregor got his ointments too. He was knighted by the fucking prince of the whole kingdom. Uh, another, uh, bad thing Rhaegar did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's no, there's no consequences for this. This is like, Sandor, he was basically another idealist that uh, was, you know, he got burned. I mean, literally, fucking. I mean, too soon, but (laughs) he, so, yeah, he's, like, given up. He he thinks this world is, like, trash and that you you can't live in it without being corrupted by it is kind of his thesis. And uh, Sansa... Gives him the first defense against that, which is that his brother was no true knight. So he, she gives him like the concept of the of there being something called a true knight rather than just any knight. Like he he's says he like hates that all knights because you know we'll we'll get more details on that later. But she gives him the idea that you can. It's such an iconic. Yeah, thing. that you can live up to those ideals that he once had. That you, that's actually possible, and that like is the first like glimmer of hope in Sanders' world. Some good shit. It's good. Uh... He's also the first, I guess, to notice how Sansa does just repeat 
politenesses to people in order to survive things. Mm -hmm. And he calls her a bird, like a repeating bird. Like a parrot, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But she does the thing here. I I like her response to to that thing, like, uh, oh, you're a pretty little bird just repeating stuff. And Sansa just says, oh, that's unkind, which is such a (laughs) polite Sansa way of, of, like, rejecting this. You're frightening me. I really like this this one little, like, which is fair Unkind, enough. Unkind, sir? Yep. I, uh, I was gonna... Uh, and it's also so perfect because, yeah, she's right. Oh, That's sorry, really yeah. unkind to say to a fucking 12-year-old. Yeah. Well, he's basically saying... He's not a kind person. He's basically saying, like, you're, you're like what I was. You're just a repeating... Like, you're sold on this, like, you know, on this society. Um, you're just repeating the things that you've heard before you haven't, like... Uh, you don't know what's really underneath it, that kind of thing. Like, you know, the equivalent of that for him was, like, wanting to be a knight. He was told that he should be a knight, so he wanted to be a knight. But then, uh, you know, he was... Um, I can't think of this word. What, what word am I trying to think of? Knight? Uh, I don't know. He was... Um, he had that, like, dream smashed, I guess. I don't know. Disillusioned, maybe. Disillusioned, yeah, something. Because he's still, I mean, he's still not, he's not completely disillusioned because he's not, he's gone the opposite way where he's just like, the whole world is shit and he doesn't let any, Mm. he doesn't let himself see anything good. So he's not completely disillusioned, but, um, yeah. I guess there's like ways to deal with your trauma. And this is definitely not not the right way. To... This is a way. <laughs> yeah. Send or get therapy. I guess. It's this is also like the the next thing we see him do after he kills a child out of cruelty. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that's the thing is he he later will use. Um, the excuse that he was, he was told, he was like defending his prince by killing that boy or like, or getting retribution for, uh, his prince. And he's like his, the, his sworn shield. So he's like using, in that case, he uses the like excuse of the, uh, or the structure of society as an excuse to, um, to lash out and to like, I mean, he's, uh, you know, he kills because, he he that's the only way he feels like powerful in this world like it's the only time he feels like he can like do anything like he feels powerless essentially in this society he feels like he can't do anything that uh isn't corrupted i guess by this like world so it's it's like a, i don't know we can talk about sandor probably as the chapters go on but Especially, in, I'm sure he's gonna come up again. Yeah, uh, he's kind of like he's a bit like Tyrion, but a bit more far gone. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah. He's another um, character for whom, like, all the contradictions of the of uh, feudal society have like just crushed, like, have fallen. Those have all been pointed at them. But I, I want to talk about how Sansa is like acting and and uh, and her 
because she's like going through a lot here too. She's afraid of, at first for himself, for herself, but um, as the conversation goes on and she sees how in pain Sandor is, she becomes extremely empathetic and uh, is like no longer thinking about herself and is only she says she's afraid for him and she tries to like yeah. comfort him. Sansa is good. She's Up good. Sansa moments. Yeah. Yeah, and then he threatens to kill her if she ever tells anyone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my so. my last note on this chapter is Clegane Ball get hype. <laughs> he says, I'm gonna have uh, to go kill... I might have to go kill my brother tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, mm-hmm. foreshadowing. I don't yeah, know. Sure. What if he does kill him? It'll be... We'll have, have to, have to we'll wait have to and see. see. That'll be epic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Um. All right. That's the last chapter. That's, that's that chapter. was the yeah. last chapter. Cool. Uh, unless any of you have more observations on. Like, one little thing that like was both in this and the, the chapter before is that whenever whenever phrase are mentioned, it's always. A lot of them, like there are twenty phrases at the end, and there are oh yeah six six phrases competing in the joust. So uh, we get the seating early that there's just like hundreds of phrases somehow. <laughs> their their, own, their <laughs> only strength is in numbers, basically. Uh huh. Yeah, one of my notes is also phrase and then just the grimace emoji a couple of times. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, it's also funny because. There were like 20 phrase um, at the end, and basically all of them are. I guess there's six in the tourney, but I feel like, um, you know, some of them were not knights who are like not gonna. Basically, I mean, a, a, another minor spoiler whenever um, the next Catelyn, or the next like chapter where we pick up with Catelyn and Tyrion, uh, none of the phrase went with them. So, like, they all just went... They were all like, oh, well, that was a fun show, but uh, fuck you guys, we're gonna go... Bye. We're gonna go to the tourney instead of, like, honoring our vow or whatever. Like, we're gonna go have some fun. <laughs> um, yeah. Do we want to get into spoilers? Let's go. Okay. Yeah, m- maybe if we get into spoilers, like the uh, the passage where the... the uh, the death of uh, what's his name? Sir Hugh. Sir Hugh, exactly. Is uh, described in very poetic way. Oh, the Vale Knight, Sir Wait, Hugh. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, like a, I'm just gonna read it out. Uh, a bright streak of fire ran down his outstretched arm as the steel caught the light. Then the sun went behind the cloud, and it was gone. His cloak was blue, the color of the sky on a clear summer's day, trimmed with a border of crescent moons. But as his blood seeped into it, the cloth darkened and the moons turned red one by one. Like with all the moon stuff we had uh, in like mm-hmm. the, the mysticism episode, I think there's uh, there's definitely something something to it with like uh, a blood moon and, and moons turning red. Yeah, and the sun is hidden mm. at the same time. Yeah, uh, you know, there's so there's the bright streak of red. I guess I didn't go into this. I don't think. Um, but the hammer of the water is the thing that was like said to break the neck and the arm of Dorn. Uh, it like turned the neck into like a swamp land and 
probably eroded some of the land those like on the coast but um and it also yeah. smashed the arm of thorn uh those i i think are um moon meteors that hit those areas and caused either tidal waves or you know earthquakes and shit so a lot of times whenever you are seeing lightbringer forging scenes you'll see neck and arm wounds so in this scene sir hugh gets he his lance he's lanced through the throat and then the blood trickles down his arm in like a fiery thing and then the sun is hidden and all the moons turn red so that's another like little little reenactment cool <laughs> <laughs> i don't all of the theory stuff for me so far is just huh, cool <laughs> because all my contributions i mean first of all this this passage i think was is just really good like uh mm-hmm. it's just poetry oh yeah basically. yeah it's some really nice Despite prose. it he's, doesn't rhyme he's, but it's, he's it's good still at writing poetry. sometimes yeah <laughs> like even even if it's not if it isn't any symbolism it's or it wouldn't be any symbolism behind it it's it's a very well yeah like that's the thing uh, piece i think if it was just throwing symbols at you it probably was probably would probably not be an engaging read I mean, it's still nice, like, imagery, even if... I mean, like, this... Because that's the thing, is most people are just reading it and they, you know, aren't associating it with anything. It's just like, wow, the moon's turned red. Uh, That's cool. (laughs) uh, (laughs) But, I mean... And it works works on that level. Yeah. Just as a cool... For sure. Like, it's still a good fucking story, but then, like, you see this uh, whole other layer to it. Yeah, I mean... even with, like, if you're reading... Like, whenever I was reading the first time, I was a dumb idiot, and I was just like, cool plot happens. Like, I was basically, like, an average show watcher. And, like, <laughs> oh, a bunch of things are happening. And then, you know, the next time I read it, it was like, oh, there's actually, like, characters, and that stuff is way more interesting. And then, I don't know. You know, so you, there's kind of this, like, all these different layers to the books, but... uh I miss so much the first so time much, I read it. Yeah, me too. But there is just so much foreshadowing you can't grasp on the first time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And also just like things how characters uh, who later become important just appear yeah. here in the tourney chapter. Mm-hmm. There's just so many of them you, would, you wouldn't be able to remember them anyway. Yes. As I said, on my first read, like when I get, got to the second book and, and Stannis appeared, I was like, who, who is this guy supposed to be? And he's mentioned in like every second chapter, but there's just so many people being, being mentioned that like you can't, you can't quite uh, retain all of them as maybe being important. Um, do you, uh, what was the thing we were talking about that, um, was it about who, oh no, okay. Uh, so first, I want to talk about Sir Hugh as far as plot stuff. Um, I th- yeah. Do you guys think? Um, who do you think like uh, told Gregor to kill him? Oh yeah, I forgot. I completely I mean, forgot about that. I think it was Littlefinger. I mean, no, I don't. I don't think I this mean, happened uh, just by chance. It was either Cersei. I mean, Littlefinger is the one who needs to. He needs to stall. Yeah. He needs to stall. Uh. Because there's like several mysteries going on, yeah. Here, right, like there's uh, I mean, yeah. John Aaron's Sandor. death, and then there's which is 
you know, little fingers doing. I mean, Sandor pointed out that like uh, his his armor wasn't uh, uh, wasn't put on properly, and, uh, mm. and that's what uh, led Gregor to uh, like. Uh, well, that uh, gave him try kill shot basically. That so gave him the opening. Could be coincidence or just like. Uh, that gave him the opening, yeah. but if it, even if that's like. Does Gregor just see armor put on poorly and he gets so mad that he decides to kill that guy? He's like, he's just a stickler for like proper armor wearing. No, he's, he's just an asshole. And if he sees, uh, okay. Yeah. He sees, uh, like he can, he can kill this, like, uh, this arrogant, newly knighted, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Who does he take orders guy. from? He just really? takes it, kind of. Yeah, that's a good point, Chess. What are you saying, Chess? Yeah. I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Who does he take orders from, uh, Gregor? Yeah. Does he just... Because he seems to just do what he wants, but if yeah. he's told to he do takes... something violent, he'll normally do it. Probably, I mean, he takes yeah. orders from the, from the Lannisters, I guess. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah. The, so the options here are, like, well, either he just did it himself on a whim, and it was coincidence that uh, this, this witness was killed before Ned could question him, or uh, Cersei told him to do it, which is unlikely because yeah. she's kind of incompetent. I don't even think she's like onto Ned yet. Um, and then the a third option is Littlefinger told him to do it, or like paid him to do it. Why did Littlefinger even reveal the real witness to Ned? Huh? Oh. Did did Littlefinger have to reveal Sir Hugh to Ned? Yeah, because he's trying to get Ned to trust him. Um. Hmm. And I guess, and I guess, Sir Hugh is the one that Ned would have found out about himself. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's like, uh, especially that with the tourney. Oh, this this, this veil knight. Huh? Maybe I'll ask him about Johnny. Yeah, because <laughs> that's that's like I think it's like a little convoluted to say. Okay, here's yeah. the guy, but you send your best man because he knows that Sir Hugh uh, won't answer to just just somebody unless Ned goes there himself, but, like, he really had to bet on I mean, he... Ned following the thing that he just sends his best man, doesn't go there himself. Right. right, yeah. But, I mean, he could also have been paying Sir Hugh to, like, hey... Oh, yeah, probably. It, Possibly. Here's yeah. this gold, and if Ned Stark comes around asking questions, don't say anything. So then he wouldn't have to fix his death. Uh, well, I mean, I think he probably would have killed him anyway, just because it's a loose end. But I'm not sure. I don't know. It is a little bit. Uh, uh, that's why I'm not like completely sold. I, mean, I guess on one option over another. But but if if, we, if it happens if so we, soon after the finding Gendry, then I guess someone thinks that Ned is onto whatever's happening, and so is trying to tie it up quickly after that. Maybe. Well, I mean, it was just when it could happen, also because the tourney was that day. Yeah. I mean, if we get into super like. Uh, Mastermind Littlefinger stuff, he might have uh, orchestrated Sir Hugh not getting a squire or not getting a competent squire so that his armor would be, like, uh, put on improperly. Well, yeah. To give Gregor this opening. He had no squire. I guess that's, uh, yeah. I don't know if that he would have to orchestrate that because he just I mean, is a poor knight. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have to go up against Gregor, there's like. Yeah. There's a good chance that you might die. Yeah. 
So maybe he really yeah. just needed a little. Yeah, maybe he would have killed maybe him he anyway. Would have killed <laughs> him uh, a different way if if he doesn't get mm. killed by Gregor. But this is more convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we also can't tell what what Sir you might have known and could have told. Uh, could have told uh, Ed, uh, Ned that that would have been so important to keep this information from him. He was. So he was like uh, John Aaron Squire, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I don't know, like how much. Because the other thing is, Littlefinger, he doesn't always just plan everything out, and like, mm. and uh, yeah. he kind of a lot of times he just rolls the dice, and like uh, in situations where either result would still like help him um so he doesn't like really care so yeah i'm sure there's other ways that he could have because he d- he needs to stall ned a little bit but i don't think he needs to stall like he's basically just trying to get ned to uh he's just trying to implicate the lannisters so using gregor could yeah. do that because um you know he's a banner man to the lannisters um but if he also, it could, uh, you know, shut Q up. So it's like either option is good, I guess. If he didn't die, then like, I don't know, maybe. I mean, I guess he he could have counted on him just like uh, being severely wounded, maybe by the mountain, and then when he is uh, when he's seeking treatment, maybe yeah, he gets uh, Pycelle try to poison him or something. He gets Pycelle to fucking yeah. just douse him in milk on the poppy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, doing that. or maybe just shut him up for for a few days because he's lying somewhere unconscious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the the mountain knocked him off. Yeah. Uh, but so I, who I told think Littlefinger is the is the only option really. <laughs> yeah. So, so who was the person who uh, paid for Canary? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it was Varys. Yeah, I was gonna say I think you it's think Varys? Varys in his disguise. Yeah. Varys with a fake beard. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I just ran it through my head. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the only other option that came to my mind was uh, Davos. Um, I don't know if Davos. he's described with like a, a, a brown beard with red in it. and. Huh. <laughs> well, Davos is just like a knight at this point. He's not a lord. Yeah. But like that's... Davos would have been... So the, um. Mm. Tabomat says that he recognized him like as a lord without seeing his face or any sigil. So Davos would not mm. be able to yeah. do that. Like he he talks like a commoner still, basically. Mm. I don't think it would have been Davos. I mean, I like that idea. I'm not even sure George even conceived of Davos yet at this point. That's another thing. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking of like who would be like uh, trustworthy to to Stannis or John Arryn, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just Varys. It's probably Varys. I mean, he's not... I mean, it it has it has to be someone we at least meet down the road, otherwise there wouldn't be such a specific description of him, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it, it seems to match uh, Varys's, like, soldier disguise or yeah. whatever, like, his... But, yeah. Mm. I don't think it matters too much. It, I mean, it could have been mm. John, Aaron, but I don't know how... Just, short or tall he is. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't feel like looking at the descriptions <laughs> right now. 
You think he'd then recognize him when he comes back, though? Yeah, true. Um, And also, wait. I guess we don't get a definitive answer to that. I don't know. I mean, I think, so, like, if Varys did it, I think he did it at um, somebody's behest. Like, he didn't just do this by himself. So, I think, you know, John Aaron probably gave him some money and was like, here, like, you know, we got this boy that we got to take care of, like, get him put him somewhere and then later was like hey where'd you put that boy i gotta go talk to him and see what his mother was like so i can test my punnett square theory and <laughs> oh there's also a mention about uh how uh john aaron had taken a great interest in the breeding of hunting dogs <laughs> okay <laughs> so, he's like hmm. hmm the dominant traits like yeah uh it's a it's a weird mystery honestly like the whole uh, looking at blonde heads and <laughs> brown haired things like i don't i don't i don't know about i guess it serves its purpose yeah you mean like it's it's not the most uh sturdy like case even if it is like yeah you get a bunch of kids with hair yeah mm. yeah um, I mean, I I think it's more that like all the all the Baratheons look so much like each other, like Gendry and and uh, also Randy, like every every younger relative of of Robert to to Ned looks like a young version of Robert, and Joffrey so absolutely doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like the the sticking point, I think. Yeah, and that matters a lot in this kind of you know. Society. Uh, there's a couple of last hero maths that will be real quick to go over. So, uh, in John's chapter, he spends uh, a dozen days helping in the forge for everyone spent hunting with ghost. So, I mean, there's it's basically just reinforcing John as like a last hero kind of figure. He's and it also kind of ties um, forging and like last hero to Azora High because Azora High was a smith. Um, but he's, so he's one day he gets to go running through the woods with his wolf, like the last hero and the others he's, um, helping in the forge. Um, Sam gets a last hero math because a dozen master of arms are tried, like tried to train him. Um, and he also has, uh, this thing where, um, where he's gets bathed in bull's blood. Uh, and there's like, one of the children of Garth the Green, I forget if it, hold on, uh, bull, hold on, sorry, okay, okay, so there, there's this guy called Bors the Breaker, who's, a um, he's, uh, okay, he's founder of House Bulwer, so, never mind, but he drank a bunch of bull's blood, and he grew shiny black horns, because he drank a bunch of blood. So that's kind of like in the cultural milieu in the reach. So mm. you get you drink strong bull blood and become strong like bull. I guess. I don't know. There's not a whole maybe, lot of other things. Maybe it worked. We already covered the hue thing. You have written yeah. the words in at crossroads as we are would here. Oh, okay, yeah, that's something. Um, so the in at the crossroads. <clears throat> um. 
there's other stuff later that kind of strengthens strengthens this idea that um uh you can any kind of crossroads area is like i mean you look for other things to like see if it's really something because he'll um if it's just by itself then it's probably nothing but like uh the end at the crossroads uh is a pretty strong weirwood symbol um it used to have one of the like uh rivers um flowing right under it and people could fish out the windows of it so that's like a like a weird a weirwood is like a net you know that catches fish and the the green seer is the fish uh a weirs actually like a cage that you put in water to catch fish um and uh it's also like a bridge because um it can uh anyway god i'm like fucking brain dead right now but uh <laughs> so the the end of the crossroads it you know it has this matriarch who has a bloody mouth inside it um you know that's the caretaker of it um and there's a lot of really important things that happen here. There's a lot later. It becomes full of children uh, in feast. Uh, that's where all the orphans are. Whenever Brienne visit, visits them, uh, is the same inn. I think I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong. Yeah, it, no, is? it is. Okay, cool. Um, and then uh, yeah, and also Gendry is there. But um, so there's a lot of things that happen here and. So you can look at this, like, thing where Catelyn, there's more or less hero math, Catelyn commands Tyrion to be captured and 12 swords are drawn, or a dozen swords get drawn to capture Tyrion um, inside the Weirwood symbol. So there's something happening there. There's a lot of, like, fights that go on inside Weirwood symbols that uh, kind of... Um, make you think that, like, some kind of fight went on in the actual weirwood or might be still going on. Um, yeah. And... I always see the... Go ahead. Ooh, sorry. And so I always think, see the Ren at the Crossroads is almost like a, a microcosm of what's happening with the small folk in the rest of the mm. world. So at the beginning, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit tense, but it's more or less okay. And then as things go on, people are hanged in it, um... It gets overrun by, like, starving children. Uh, after the Red Wedding, uh, the kids are talking about how there's no such thing as guest right anymore because it's been broken um, by the Red mm-hmm. Wedding. So I, I do see it as, like, like a reflection of the wider society and the state of the small folk yeah. in the rest of the yeah, world. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, mentioning... So Masha Heddle, she later gets hanged by Tywin there. Um and hanging is uh, is another thing that's like associated with weirwoods because um, uh, Odin hangs himself on Yggdrasil. It's like he's hung on it, but he's also pierced with a spear into it. So um, it's that's why it's called like a gallows horse sometimes. Um, so that's another like anytime people are hung. Or hanged, I guess, is the correct way to say it. Uh, think of, like, I don't know, look for other things that could connect it to, like, this being, a like, a call-out to Weirwoods or Yggdrasil. Um, yeah. Uh, we've been going for a minute. I'm completely... 
<laughs> yeah. I've like completely lost every train of thought I've tried to hold on to. Um anyway. <laughs> we mentioned I think uh Tubermot's uh entrance door of like ebony and uh ivory. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Ivory. Ivory and period. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can talk about that. Hopefully I don't ramble too stupidly. So um yeah, he's got the weirwood and, and ebony door. Um it's got a hunting scene on it. Um we don't really get too much detail about it. It it could be like a call out to the wild hunt kind of folklore where um you know the like guardian the dead like guardian of the forest leads a bunch of spirits and animals to protect the forest. Um at nighttime in in England or somewhere, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, he has a uh, that like sapphire amulet that looks like an egg, which also makes it look like an eye. And it's kind of like the uh, like in the Duncan Egg story, um, Blood Raven has something similar where the amulet is looks like an eye, and uh, I think it's even the sapphire in that too. Do either of you, any of you remember? No. Okay. Uh, no. Um, it's whenever he's disguised as the like other guy and he's appearing to dunk. Uh, but so he's got basically he's got like a third eye symbol, um, and he's a smith who can work Valyrian steel, and he's made armor for all of these different and like swords and stuff. He makes Barrack swords. He makes uh, he made Renly's armor. Which Renly is like another, you know, he's like a stag man, uh, summer king figure. Uh, Bear, or Thoros is, you know, sets his swords on fire with the, um, with the wildfire. Uh, who else? I think he made a Loris's armor. Um, so he's making, he's basically like the smith who like outfits all these Azora High type people. <laughs> And he's got that weirwood symbol door. Um, and he's offering to make, uh, Ned a helmet that would scare children, which could be, that's another thing. There's like, anytime you see the word others or the word children, you have to like second guess whether or not he's making a little wink at you. Okay. <laughs> mm. There's a line yeah. where Jory looks a beggar among all these others. Uh, and, Beggar is something that's associated with Azor Ahai too, because Viserys is a beggar king. Robert beggared the realm. Um, whenever Danny is like uh, trying to buy the Unsullied, she thinks of herself as a beggar. There's all this sh- shit about. I don't know. I, that's another thing. It would take too long. <laughs> but <laughs> so I don't know. It's like these little things where you like. George's trick, maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, and it, or maybe just some cool stuff to this. Yeah, part. and the well, the other thing about Tobuma is he's hiding Azora High's child. Um, it, like he's you know he's keeping this baby version, you know, this Azora High child like secret. Um, so he could be hiding him in the weirwood or some shit. I, I don't know. Who, who fucking knows? It's just... Man, I really need to pee. We've been going for two hours and 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Anybody else well, got some crazy tight, shit? Tight two hours. Yeah. Uh, no, I think I'm all out of crazy shit for this. Yeah. Sorry I like couldn't 
speak today. But <laughs> thanks everyone for listening. Do we got any plugs? Thanks for listening. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, if uh, anyone has any questions for us, I mean, yeah, we we surely have time. So for we can a go on for segment, even longer. Maybe. Yeah. So uh, reach out to us uh, if you want to be a guest. Uh, also, we we uh, are very much like to uh, have more guests on. Uh, otherwise, nothing to add from my side. Ask me questions because it's easier for me to like structure uh, and try to like be a little more sensical. Hopefully, if I'm like answering a question that has a certain goal instead of like I don't know. I think I was just stupid today, but uh, <laughs> I don't got anything else. <laughs> Thanks for coming on again, Chaz. No, I'm always around. It's nice to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh. <laughs> I'm just gonna plug my other podcast again, Age of Pods. Talk about Suki and Steven. We're almost done with Michigan. Uh, so check that out. Ooh, if anyone wants to watch a very slow Twitch stream of me playing Kentucky Route Zero, I'm doing that at the moment and talking about themes. Um, the thing is, I'm, I, I have played like three chapters so far. So I think I want to finish the game first myself. It's a good game. That's very, that's very fair. This is my second playthrough, so I'm just talking about spoilers quite a lot. So I don't know this game. What uh, is it? Good question. It's a lot of it's reading. Like, <laughs> it's a lot of reading. It's a like an art theater game that took seven years to make um, about debt and addiction and dying in Kentucky and rebuilding the world after it collapses. Huh. There's a lot of magical realism stuff in it if you if you're into that kind of shit. Cool. And also like Americana, I guess. So what's your t- Twitch stream? Oh, uh at Hellmomet um or slash Hellmomet H E L M O M M E T. Cool. Yeah. We'll probably link it in the description. Um yeah. <laughs> All right. We still don't have a sign off. Bye. Send the puppies. <laughs> Bye. Bye.